Welcome back, Juniors. Bear with me for a moment. I want to thank some people who have made this whole thing possible. Uh, Mark Weiberg took countless hours editing my work. He made the book better and fixed a lot of grammatical mistakes. My longtime friend and truly wonderful person, Ruth Danielson, who's the founder and principal of Mulberry Street Marketing. Ruth literally knows everybody, and she put me in contact with beautiful people like Helen Rose, who has her own podcast at thegiftofbeingpresent.com, and Heather Osgood, founder and CEO of True Native Media that helps enable podcasters by matching them with advertisers. Both these ladies took a lot of time to sit down and talk with me and give me tips and pointers on making this podcast better. I also want to thank the brilliant and talented Jenna Makari, who has two films out right now, Baby Splitters, available on iTunes and Amazon, and Birth Mother's Betrayal on Lifetime, of course. Uh, she took time to review my work and gave me tips and pointers to help the quality of the show. I also want to thank my wife for letting me chase this dream of being an author and a podcaster and just being a wonderful supporting influence in my life. And thank you for bearing with me on this and just listen to this. It's, it's a thrill. So where we are last time was the boys had a true battle and Michael got injured. Now, back to the story. Chapter 21 Steve was worried. The fact that he knew he was worried concerned him all the more. It was not in his nature to let things bother him. He always tried to keep things light. He considered it his unofficial duty in the group. But today marked the third day of Michael's unconsciousness, and Steve feared for his friend's life. After what he had witnessed, he feared for all their lives. He scratched at the bandage on his neck. One of those goblins, he didn't care what the girls called him. They were goblins in his book. One of them had nearly taken off his head and would have succeeded if he had been a second slower. The only thing that was more terrifying than how they looked was how they moved. They flowed and slithered with a hideous grace, their limbs striking and slashing with extraordinary speed as they snapped with their broken teeth and fangs. Everything about them testified of their unnaturalness, and one look at those ill-formed shapes, and it was obvious that they lived to kill. He glanced over at the two quote-unquote men that they had saved. Zine said that they are Hyperborean. The two had an olive complexion, and Steve would have easily mistaken them for Italian or Hispanic if it wasn't for their ears. Both of them had pointed ears. Steve was considering ripping off his bandage and scratching to his heart's content when Bear approached him with their new friends. Any change? Steve asked. He's going to be okay. Bear rumbled as he sat down. They told me he's been through the worst of it. The poison is out of his system, at least. That's one thing they're good at. A metaf can cure almost any wound, Zylon said. He was a large Hyperborean, approximately six foot, Steve guesstimated, and appeared to be in his mid-forties. He looked like he'd stepped right out of a role-playing game. His close-cropped steel-gray hair matched his temperament, short and abrasive. The Exotheneo are abominations, the other one proclaimed. Leander was younger, maybe twenty, and had immediately gotten on Steve's nerves. 
The kid was forever upset about something, and usually about himself. Everything he said sounded like a proclamation, and he found humor in nothing, an unforgivable sin in Steve's eyes. Everything's an abomination to you, Zylon griped as he adjusted the sling for his arm. It sounded to Steve like an ongoing argument. They constantly seemed to be debating about something. Why the two were traveling together, Steve couldn't imagine. In the sight of our Lord, many things are, Leander said with sincere regret. Zylon turned his head and spat. Your Lord, have you met Trenlock since we last spoke? How do you know what your Lord thinks? It is written, the younger Hyperborean tried to explain. Bah! Trindok never wrote a day in his life. Your mind is full of old stories and fables that others have made to control you and get rich. Zylon swore. Trindok needs a pen as much as he needs a purse. What about you, Lektok? Are you an abomination? Steve smiled. On a good night, Zylon laughed. It was a laugh that spoke of warm taverns and long journeys. Well said. Here. The old traveler produced a wineskin from his pack and tossed it to Steve. Another thing those girls are good at. It's not as good as Lektok ale, but it'll suffice. Steve drank deep and welcomed the warm sensation that spread through his body. The incessant itch in his neck went to sleep. Our friend here doesn't condone the poison, but I found it helps pass the time. Zylon said as he passed the pouch to Bear. Perhaps that is why time spent with a monk seems twice as long. You're a monk? Bear asked as he returned the pouch to its owner. Yes, Leander said with that infuriating humble pride that only the overtly pious seem to possess. I am one of those who is called to pay tribute and homage until our transgression against Trendok has been paid. We will not partake of any libations until the Feast of the Returning. More for us, eh, Lektok? Zylon took another long swig of the Metaf liquor. And the transgression, he sneered at the word, was paid by Maus, the son of Jaius, and the ten thousand when Trindok cursed them. The Exotheneo are a symbol of the transgression the monk proclaimed from rote. As I recall, one of those symbols nearly decapitated you. Zylon smirked as he adjusted his sling again. Why did they attack you? Bear asked. That is an excellent question. Bear, is it? Hmm. Bear, I like it. Zylon said. By all accounts, they should not have. They steal babies and the like. Exotheneo are wicked creatures, and they would rather sneak around and slit throats than fight face to face. I have not heard of them attacking for a very long time, and especially not in daylight. Perhaps they mistook us for some other travelers. Steve exchanged a glance with Bear. Maybe, Bear replied. Those abominations have no thought, Leander said as he shivered. I pity any who incur the wrath of those things. Zylon looked intently at Steve. It's not the who that concerns me. It's the why. Do you two live around here? Bear asked. Steve was thankful for Bear's intentional interruption. He didn't think that either Hyperborean meant them any harm, but Bear and him had decided last night it was better to keep their personal information discreet. Steve may be a joker, but he was also pragmatic. Just because you like someone doesn't mean you trust them. And Steve didn't doubt Zylon's deduction. Those things were after someone, 
and it wasn't hard to guess who. I am on a pilgrimage, the monk said with genuine but still annoying humility. I seek the counsel of Trendok in order to purify myself of sin. It is a common practice of my order to journey into the Jaya's forest and pay homage to its keeper. Zylon snorted. When I came across him, he was stumbling around the forest like a madman. It is true, I am not adapted to living in the wilderness, Leander confessed. I had gone several days without food or water. If not for Trindok's mercy, I would have suffered a terrible fate. But he smiled upon me and sent Zylon to guide me on my journey. You know Trindok? Steve asked urgently. If Zylon could lead them to Trindok, then their journey could be over and they could get back home. No, Zylon said gruffly. My deluded friend is speaking metaphorically, which the religiously fanatic are prone to do. Leander spooked the game I'd been stalking for hours. I almost speared him myself, and at times I regret that I did not. Zylon looked around the trees and briefly up the sky. I come into this forest occasionally to get out of the city. I can only take so much of my fellow Hyperborean. I was meandering my way to the Metaph realm when this one came crashing through the forest. You were on your way to the one tree? The bear asked. Yes, I was on my way to the tree, Zylon said rather directly. There's another thing these females are good for besides healing. But I wouldn't go into detail in the presence of our priestly friend here, unless you want to see a sermon about degradation of the mortal soul. Steve swore he saw a blush rise to Bear's hairy face. <clears throat> no, I understand. Bear coughed. As you wish, Zylon said, seeming a little disappointed. I would have assumed you're here for the same reason, but you barely have your first fur and Lektok doesn't even have a decent beard. Decent beard, Steve thought. His beard was full grown. He stopped shaving after the second day with the Amazons, since it seemed to grow twice as fast here as back home. At first he suspected it was the food, but now he was not so sure. He glanced at Bear, who also had a full-grown beard, which seemed to be taken over his entire face. It's a long and boring story, Steve said offhandedly and one that is not worth the effort it would take to tell. Zine approached and rescued Steve from Zylon's intense gaze. It is time for you to eat, the white-haired warrior said. The comment seemed to be directed to Leander, but then her gaze swept past to include them all. Um, thank you, sister. Leander mumbled and shifted uneasily. All rose to follow Zine except for the monk. Coming? Steve asked. I must pray to purify my flesh before I nourish it, Leander answered. Steve rolled his eyes. Oh, yeah, Steve thought. That one's going to be a barrel of laughs. Chapter 22 Michael was lost, and he didn't care. He floated in an ambivalent sea of sensations that washed away all need, sounds and sights that he could not comprehend bathed his spirit. The memory of bent yellow teeth gnashing his flesh was a distant moat of thought amid a tranquil ocean of ambience. Flesh itself was the barest of memories. Death was merely a concept, as was life. Contentment flowed over him in gentle waves. Michael simply existed, purged of the notions of need and want. The thought of a girl invaded his thoughts. A girl that had 
undeservingly shackled him, her wants and needs replacing his and her existence overshadowing his own. It tangled itself around him, and he was powerless to free himself from it. Despite his struggles, the thought of her clung to him. The sea roiled around him. Unbidden thoughts of regret, words, and long-dead embarrassment swarmed about him. Past responsibilities began to pull at him. The thoughts of friends, parents, and duties clutched at him from the depths as the sea tried to consume him. Panic found him and wrapped sordid tendrils around his mind. Somehow, the thought of that girl that weighed him down suddenly bore him up. He clung desperately as she pulled him from the darkening depths. Michael? A voice questioned beyond the oblivion. He extended himself towards the consciousness. Light suffused the voice. Michael? Are you okay? A wave of concern washed over him. He willed himself towards it. The inexplicable familiarity of it beckoned to him. Are you hurt? You're bleeding! Stacy? He sent the thought out without knowing how. Hold on! I'm coming to get you! Stace, I'm okay. Don't worry. I'm coming! Chapter 23 Steve nearly jumped out of his skin when Michael gasped for air. His friend sat halfway up, choking and struggling for breath. Steve was at his side in an instant. Mikey, it's okay. He slapped his back. Here, take a drink. Michael took a quick sip from the wineskin and laid back down. What happened? He coughed. Dude, you scared the hell out of me. Steve sat back down and took a sizable drink from the wineskin. You were stabbed and bit. You're lucky to be alive. Someone out there really likes you. If they like me so much, Michael cleared his throat. They would have kept me from getting bit and stabbed in the first place. Steve forced himself to grin. They don't want to look desperate. Michael gave a weak laugh. Where are we? We're still close to the battleground. Steve shook his head. Man, that sounds weird. Dude, we've actually been in a battle. Hopefully our last. Michael propped himself up on his elbow. Can I have another sip of that? Sure. Steve handed him the container and continued. Anyhow, you've been out cold for the past two days. Apparently the saliva of those things is poisonous. Or so full of crap it might as well be. What were they? The exotheneo. I think they're goblins or something. Steve shrugged. All I know for sure is that they give me serious heebie-jeebies. The Metaf seem to think that we got all of them. But I heard Zine say they shouldn't have been here in the first place. No one has seen those things for decades, and when they do, it's on some far-off mountain range. I think Xylon suspects they're looking for someone, and I think he's right. I think they're here for us. Xylon? Michael laid back down and rubbed his eyes. He's one of those Hyperborean guys we saved. They're normal, except for their ears. I don't know if Michael cut him off. Hold on. Give me a second. It's a lot to absorb. For a moment, I thought this whole thing was a bad dream. Sorry, buddy. No such luck. I was just trying to get you updated before... Crap. Never mind. Zoe burst into the tent and loomed over Steve. I ordered you to get me the moment he awoke. Um, yeah, I was just about to. 
Steve lied. But he just woke up like a second ago. I want to make sure he was all right before I came and got you. Your freaking majesty, he added silently in his head. Very well. She dismissed him and knelt beside his friend. Are you well, Michael Reed? My shoulder is killing me. But overall, I, I'm okay. You are lucky to be able to take breath at all, the redhead admonished. The exothenao are especially bitter foe. Ha! <laughs> bitter biters, Steve said. Zoe and Michael looked at him, and Steve coughed. Oh, <laughs> never mind. Are they all dead? Michael placed a hand to his side and eased himself into a sitting position. Steve could clearly see that his friend was in serious amount of pain. Yes, Zoe answered. There were several in the forest that my sisters chased down. Zine killed two by herself. Do not let her looks deceive you. She is an exceptional warrior. Okay, Michael said unsuredly. I'm sure she is. Steve could not keep the smirk off his face. He knew that Michael wasn't much of a smooth talker, but he had the whole rebel-without-a-cause brooding teenager thing down pat. He could never understand why girls ate up Michael's whole troubled vibe thing, but the results were undeniable. Steve, Michael nodded his head at Zoe. Do you mind? Not at all. Steve rocked back on his heels in feigned disinterest. Just act like I'm not even here. Do you want me to tell Kineas your favorite nickname for her? Michael asked. I think that's Bear calling me now, Steve said. Yeah, Michael said sardonically. You better go see what he wants. Steve made it five strides outside the tent before he could hold his laughter no longer. He spotted Bear and strode over to his friend that was, of course, eating again. Those two are better than a soap opera, he chuckled as he sat down next to his giant friend. Who? Bear swallowed. Zoe and Michael. He thumbed towards the tent. They're both in there. I bet you five bucks that she's going to come out pissed. Bear's sigh sounded like a large, deflating tire. I do not envy him. Do you want some fruit? No, thanks, Bear. Still hungry? Bear stared at the apple-like fruit that was dwarfed by his hand. I always seem to be hungry. His voice dropped to a whisper. And I think I've gotten bigger. Steve turned and examined his friend, and he couldn't argue. Bear looked bigger. Well, growth spurts aren't unusual. I wouldn't read too much into it. Bear was about to comment when Zoe stormed out of the tent. Steve elbowed Bear and grinned. You owe me five bucks. That's all for this week, Juniors. Check in next week where we see what Heather, Stacy, and Ken are doing at the One Tree. I also remind you, if you want to leave a comment or have a suggestion or have a question, go to readkeeper.com and shoot me an email. As always, thank you for listening. Have a great week and be kind to one another.